Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. This week, we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 6, Scavengers. And, and if anyone actually listens to the end of our podcast, we had a big conversation about how Episode 6 was called Unification 3, <laughs> and we were looking forward to Romulan shenanigans. Look... <laughs> I, 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 all I do is look up on, you know, Wikipedia, what, what it says the episode titles are. And I trust you absolutely. <laughs> so, so <laughs> next week we'll be talking about Unification 3. And, and there are Romulans. <laughs> I know. I'm so happy. Scavengers is a much better name for this one, though. Than... <laughs> yeah, I was watching it going, I don't understand the Unification tie-in. <laughs> like, is it going to make sense? Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed this episode. It was predictable like last week, but not in such a frustrating way. It felt much more coherent. It was fun. I had fun. Yeah. And I, and I also... It's, it's funny because everyone's been saying, you know, oh my goodness, I cry every single episode this season uh, of Discovery. Mm. And I think that that's for a number of reasons. I think that they have sort of finally hit their stride a little... And we yeah. know we know these characters. They know these characters, and they're starting a whole new story. You know, that's it's so far away from everything else that we know about Star Trek. So I think that helps. It gives them the opportunity yes. to do what they to be themselves. And of course, also twenty twenty is twenty twenty, and so we're all sort of we need something <laughs> to believe. We're taking in. our catharsis where we can get it. <laughs> But last week, and I, I don't want to, you know, I didn't love last week, and I felt badly that I didn't cry last week. And mm -hmm. then this week, which there was nothing, like, really super worth crying about this week, except I sobbed through the entire prison break. <laughs> I was like, this is so great. It was ridiculous. I was so invested in that Andorian and he didn't die, and like I was, yes, I, I was, I, I I can't even express the emotions of that Andorian not dying <laughs> and what it did to me. So no, I completely understand because I was optimistic that we would get a prison break and all of all of the slaves would be freed. But I was like, yeah, this Andorian is a dead man walking. He is a blue red shirt. Uh, and so just the simple twist of him surviving is just... He was redeemed and didn't die. So... Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I was, like, losing my mind. And, like, you know, Michael and... I know I completely jumped to the climax, but whatever. Michael mm. and uh, Philippa arriving with the ship and just being so good at it. Was also, yes, I was just I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it like that whole thing was so amazing to me that other stuff happened in this episode that's what matters to me <laughs> the entire for me it was the months. moment where Book sees his ship and he's jumping up and down shouting and like if people still made fan vids that would be a key moment because it's oh just goodness. I was thinking we don't see a lot of black joy in media, particularly oh. in modern Star Trek, but 
that moment where someone he trusts has come back for him. It, it's like Finn and Ray, you know, he came <laughs> exactly. back for her and she came back for him. It was it was great. And I don't know if that makes Philippa Kylo Ren, but anyway. <laughs> okay, I, I, I will explain because I have it written down here and I have a whole thing about it. I, I mentioned that when Philippa and, and Michael arrived with Book's ship and were just amazing at, uh, at piloting it and shooting and, and destroying mm-hmm. everything and being wonderful. Uh, that is the Vader and Luke AU I've always wanted. <laughs> I, I usually... You know, I say that I'm really upset about Ben Solo being dead because it should be different from Anakin, and I'm I'm at mm. peace with Anakin being dead, but I'm not like thrilled that Anakin died immediately after <laughs> turning back to the light side, and if he'd survived, and as I say with Ben as well, gone on to travel around the galaxy with his kids going to all the places yeah. that the Empire screwed up and fixing things, it'd be, like, the best ever. So this, it was it was literally Michael and her evil mom, like, freeing slaves from the evil corporation. I was like, yes. this is exactly what I want out of everything. And so it was, I was just super, super emotional and I, I love it. And I love all of the relationships involved in the Philippa and Michael and Michael and Book and mm. like all of it, all of it in that. I was just like, I could, this could be the show for me. <laughs> I kind of left last week going, why doesn't Michael just run off with Book and they can be freelance heroes together and Giorgio can hang around. And that's that's kind of just what I want. We can talk later yeah. about where we think Michael's story is going, but that's sort of where I want her to be for mm. a little while. Yeah. Uh, for me, it felt like a Doctor yeah. Who episode. Uh, if the Doctor's companion is evil. The Doctor <laughs> the and her evil mum. <laughs> the Doctor's evil mum sounds like a really good Doctor Who AU, by the way. I would watch that as well. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of Doctor Who canon and whether his mother was a human, but what if she was evil? (laughs) Anyway. But the way that they show up in that that moment where they're all just like, you know, everybody is, is and and Book's like, no, trust it, it's gonna, you know, I believe in them, and and just, just wait, and there was, there was so much, like, Book was trusting both Michael and, and Philippa and also the Andorian and like all of the people who yeah. followed the Andorian were trusting them with the two of them and it was just like there's just so much you know emotion in in this like hope you know everyone has hope yes. all of a sudden so and so Michael funny. and Philippa are an amazing team and you can almost see <gasps> how Captain Giorgio and Commander Burnham might have pulled off a stunt similar to this on the, the yeah. Shin show. Like, just, just flawless together. Like, they would, pull, oh, yeah. they would pull it off differently. Like, the prime Giorgio would, would do her shtick in a different way. Yes. But 
the end result would be the same, you know? And exactly, I, I exactly. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just love seeing things click. I found it interesting that while Michael has this amazing team on one side, her team on Discovery are sort of out of sync with her now. Yeah. And she, like, it goes both ways. Like, Saru wouldn't let her go and rescue Book, but she also didn't bother, like, bringing up the potential of a compromise. Mm -hmm. You know, Discovery stays here, I take Philippa and Book's ship and do it myself. Like, she could have asked permission and then done exactly what she did. It didn't need to be a secret. And it's sort of the second time that she's done this. I'm going to go do my thing yeah. and assume that you guys are going to figure it out. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, Michael has <laughs> trust issues, maybe. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think it's that, but I, I also think she is just so out of practice at being part of a hierarchy and the compromises that entails. And I do think she was in the wrong for not not suggesting a different a different possibility i agree i think she, she was i mean i think that michael also knows that she was in the wrong but yeah she is michael and is sort of like i'm following my higher calling that mm. isn't about all of this stuff which is why she should leave but what was interesting to me is that vance of all people <laughs> Vance is the one who's like, well, she did it the wrong way, and I'm going to, like, reprimand her for that, you know, in depth, but she's kind of right. Like, you, sh you should have let her go. You should have you come up with this yourself, too, kind of yeah. thing. Like, if you, the two of you communicated better, then none of this behind-the-scenes stuff would have happened. Like, no one would have had to go behind anyone's back if the two of you were able to have a, a conversation about all of the options. Yes. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that Saru is very green as a captain and is still learning to be comfortable with his own authority. Yes. These problems, these miscommunications, they're not plot holes. They're a source of drama and I really like them. But at the same time, I, I just want to bang all their heads together. Yes, I completely agree that it's the story. This is the story. And, mm. and it's good. I like it. There's a lot of emotional drama yeah, and yeah and it if you know when done properly they'll both come out stronger characters at the end of it and stronger you know that they they've figured themselves out kind of stuff and i think that yeah that's good like yeah it was just i i, I know saru compares it to michael's mutiny on the shen show but it's not nearly as fraught as that, which is reflected in the fact that, you know, she still has her rank and she still has a position of authority on the ship. But I, re I just really liked that Vance and Philippa were like, you know, agreed with Michael, even if, mm. even if, and both of them also knew that it was the wrong way to go about it. Like Philippa was just like, yay, finally we're doing things my way, but knowing that it was the wrong way. And, yes. and Vance was like, you know, that, like I said, that he had this sort of really interesting meta view of everything where he was like, that, that was a good, like, she did the right thing. We, we can't reward yeah. her for it, but she did the right thing. And Saru and Tilly are like, 
cannot see Michael's point of view for their own stuff. Yeah, and I think particularly with Tilly, it's a reflection of how junior she is as an officer. And someone was saying, why hasn't she been promoted yet? And it's because she is not ready to make those leaps herself. She started as a cadet, right? Wasn't she a cadet yeah. in the first season? So, Yeah, she has... As far as we can understand the passage of time in Discovery, <laughs> yeah. she has been an ensign for between one and six months. But I will say... As much as, and I think this is, as you said, all a part of the, the storyline, but it's a little bit weird that the Discovery crew, you know, made this whole big grand gesture, like, we're coming with you, Michael, and then none of them are, like, really comfortable That's or happy about up. that, or, yeah, or, like, they're not on her mm. side at all. It's like, why did you come with her if you're all going to turn on her <laughs> after the fact? It seems a little... <laughs> that kind of works for me though because I think people do make these big grand gestures without really necessarily thinking through the consequences and one of the consequences is that they've suddenly been disconnected from everything they know and love and they're scared and they're traumatised and I think maybe to an extent subconsciously some of them are blaming Michael for that which is wrong, and I'm sick of Michael being the scapegoat, but it makes sense to me psychologically that people would do so. Yes, it, and I, that, I think that that's what I'm saying, is I'm hoping that that's where it's going. That eventually yeah. someone is going to say, someone's going to snap at Michael, or else Michael's going to snap at someone about this, because that's, yes. it seems like it's an undercurrent, and I, I can't tell if I'm reading into it or if it's actually there. It's also that Michael has been very separate from the others, other crew in their big teamwork and bonding scenes. You know, for, obviously she wasn't around when they crash landed on that ice mm -hmm. planet and she wasn't part of the dinner party and movie night. And she is, I think, I think that they're deliberately separating her from, from the crew. And hopefully the second half of the season is about bringing them back together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting that we had the Michael removes her badge scene mm. in the fifth episode. That yes, because I I love it. I love echoes of things that have happened, and so I was super into Michael mm. taking it off because she uh, put her badge back on at the very end of the first season, and it was like a yes a big moment and you know before then we'd already sort of gotten the she had uh, her Philippa's badge and Philippa mm. had her Michael's badge and like there was this this stuff like there was a lot of history behind like with all of the Michaels and all of the Philippas and what it all means and so there's and did you did you see in this episode, there's a moment where she's sort of combing through a, a container of old comm badges and looking at them. Mm -hmm. And she has a very ambivalent expression on her face. And we got this scene with Spock putting his uniform and badge back on, mm. which, again, I hate. But I also I like that it's an echo. I like that, that these things are happening. But both of those uh, return to Starfleet yeah whatever 
uh, scenes happen in the very last episode of their seasons, and this is mid-season, and that's interesting. It's like, mm. so uh, part of me is concerned that it means by the final episode of this season, Michael's going to be back in uniform, maybe even back in uh, command or second in command, and I'm not sure I want that for her. I am not sure either, but that's partially because one thing that occurred to me considering this episode is that Michael did not choose to join Starfleet. She wanted to be part of the Vulcan science missions and instead Sarek sort of parachuted her into Starfleet like Laurie Lachlan buying a college place for her daughters. Yes. So, you know, she has sort of passively gone along with this identity of we are Starfleet. And as Philippa says in like episode two or three, you haven't had to live for anyone else for this past year and you can please yourself. And maybe Michael is only just realising that she hasn't chosen Starfleet and she needs to make that active choice. Yes. So do you you think that you, you want her to make the active choice to stay in Starfleet? I think narratively, like, this is a Star Trek, and so for Michael to remain a regular character, she needs to have, to be part of Starfleet. I don't particularly like that, but I think that's the rules of this particular version of Star Trek. Like, D- Picard would obviously be different. So, yeah, I think she's going to leave for a while and come back, and this time it will be an active agency on her part. So I should start setting myself up for disappointment. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I know. I th- I think that you are your your that your logic is sound. Thank you. I am preemptively disappointed because I don't want Michael to lose her Michaelness, and so far I think I've seen it the most when she's not in Starfleet. Mm. I, I think part of her journey has to be like Ensign Rowe forcing Starfleet to change for her. But Ensign Rowe left. I feel like I said this in another episode that we were talking, I don't even know a bit about, but... You did, <laughs> but just because just because Rowe fails doesn't mean that Michael will. Okay. I mean, for one thing, Rowe was not a regular character and Michael is the heroine of the series. Well, yes. And I, like, I mean, I don't want Michael to not be on Discovery anymore. I either want Discovery mm. to not be about Starfleet or I want Michael to not be on Discovery anymore and Discovery is like about Starfleet and Michael has her own awesome show that is the um, one I would prefer to watch. <laughs> I am wondering if, based on the information she's brought back to Starfleet, Admiral Vance will send her on a sort of detached duty with with Book and probably Giorgio to find the mystery of the burn while Discovery does its own thing and then the two plots will merge again. I can imagine that, yes. Mm. And, and and I think that's good because this is not like her year of isolation and not knowing whether her friends are alive or dead, you know. She can still communicate with communicate them. with Tilly and yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, inf- I just kind of like the idea of Jojo bombarding Saru with memes but, from afar. Okay, so I'm, I don't mean to harp on all of this, but also, mm. what about Book? Book is not going to join Starfleet. And so if they're going to continue to have a relationship, it's going to be strained if Michael 
is a Starfleet first officer or captain? Well, not necessarily. Like, Cisco and Cassidy Yates made it work, but that was also because they lived on a space right. station. Whereas these guys each have their own ship and the nature of the universe now is that it's actually quite hard to run into each other. Well, now I just depressed myself. Well, this, this is what I'm saying. I like where I, I, I feel like I'm being set up to fail because what mm. I responded to the most is Michael being completely in control of her choices mm. and Michael and Book being so comfortable with each other and so just so good together i'm super like i'm way more invested in them than i was in adira and gray although i have to say that adira and gray are the cutest ever they're so cute <laughs> yeah my my investment in michael and book does not in any way lessen my love for adira and gray right i that i am i have fielded i'm like jumping all over the place i'm sorry about like no 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 but i have fielded so many why is there all this romance in my Star Trek comments? And I am really, really over it in every way because there are three relationships, three mm. confirmed relationships on, on Discovery right now. Culber and Stamet, Adira and Gray, and Michael and Book. And right. none of those are a cookie cutter, romantic comedy, standard Hollywood romance or Star Trek romance. And so mm. everybody can shut up and let me have them. Right, right. And it does feel kind of telling that two of these relationships are queer and one is between black people. And suddenly people have a problem with all the relationships. Right. In Star Trek, which is famously a series which has never been about relationships. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And that's why we never saw Tom and Balana fall in love and get married. <laughs> and we never had the Rom Lita thing, or the Julian and Lita thing, or the Julian and Esri thing, or the Dax and Worf thing, <laughs> or... Yeah. Multiple weddings have happened in this series. <laughs> yes. I haven't even gotten on to Deanna and Will. Like, like I think four on-screen <laughs> weddings. Okay? So people can just stop. And it also, there's nothing wrong with romance. Like, no! You can't, you, you can have amazing science fiction and also romance. Like, why yeah. is that a, why is that a crazy controversial opinion? Because they're not straight white people. Ugh. Ugh. Book and Michael, what that, that, Elevator, even though I saw the Linus thing coming from a mile away. Oh, 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 God. Yeah. We were like, is Linus a creep? Is that why he's into Giorgio? <laughs> but the way they looked at each other and were like, well, he's gone, so we're doing this. I was just like, this is like really good. This is good. And it yeah. happened in a... In a in a turbo lift, just like Spock and Uhura, and I, like, cried, okay? I cried. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is why I'm, you know, to bring it back around to my point from five minutes ago, this is why I'm mm -hmm. so, like, worried about where this is going, because it seems like Michael is getting everything she wants and needs, and it's all going to be taken away from her by Starfleet. No, I am worried about that, and I am worried that the series will end with Book dying or something equally horrible and pointless, and I would deeply hate that a lot. And I really hope that he continues to recur 
onwards through the series and that this becomes a Star Trek where the black female lead character has a successful long-term relationship that makes her happy. I like the comparison to Fisco and Cassidy because she was sort of always off. She was doing her, her job. Yeah. And so yeah, she had and her would own come stuff back. And on. so like, it, I, you know, and, and they could do it. So mm. <laughs> they figured out this whole warp thing. <laughs> I guess if they do that, and if Book becomes like a freelancer on Starfleet's behalf, so he has access to the home base of Federation headquarters, then you know, yeah, I'd love to see a successful adjunct. long-term, long-distance relationship if, in Star Trek. If Starfleet is not a military organization, as people keep telling us, right, then they can have like adjunct members, <laughs> and yeah, Book can just yeah. be an adjunct member. He can have like a random rank of lieutenant and mm. yeah that he never uses except to win bets right and and he wouldn't be Basically required to in the rebellion like if he came to present or something he might have to wear a uniform but he wouldn't actually have to but he would get one of the cool starfleet badges i'm into this mm. <laughs> and, and grudge could get a badge on her collar like picard's dog has. because grudge clearly is capable of <laughs> doing things and so grudge is deserves... smarter than some admirals we've seen so, <laughs> so we should definitely allow grudge to be also be an adjunct member of starfleet and yes. it also it does seem to be that they are working on giving more ships access to the Mycenaeal network and making it possible for people other than stamets to make it happen so maybe they'll fix the whole warp speed thing with sport jumps. That's that's what I'm thinking, and that would that would kind of work for me. I would really be happy about it, and I just I I, I, I just want to keep these characters around for as long as possible. Right. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing either, and I like, and I want them to be happy. Like not yeah. they don't have to be happy all the time, <laughs> but mm. they should get some happiness. Yes, and you've copied the whole quote from friend of the podcast, Aristophanes, who messaged me to say she needs to update her CV to reflect her new status. She said, literally, Book is the only person who has ever, ever said thank you to Michael, and I'm so mad about it. He's the only person who has never expected her to fix things for him, and that is really important to me. And, yeah. Well said. Agreed. And there was, uh, she and I had a conversation about this on Tumblr, which I'll link in the show notes, but basically expanding on that and the fact that a lot of modern Trek has really been dependent on the pain and emotional labor of black women in its storytelling, even Beckett Mariner to some extent. Yes. And so it's really important that she, that Michael has a guy who doesn't see her as larger than life, who respects and admires her and doesn't need anything from her. And as you said at the top, was so happy that she mm. came back because he didn't expect that from her at all. That no. wasn't her job. And that wasn't, he, you know, he's like, we're friends. That doesn't mean you have to come for me. And she's like, we're yeah. friends. That means I have to come for you. And it's just like, <laughs> it's perfect. <clears throat> yeah. And, and like maybe sending grudge was a bit passive aggressive, but <laughs> I'm into that. Like, he can't be completely perfect, and he really does love Michael. 
So yes, I really, I'm, I just, I'm pulling for them. However their relationship wants to play out, I want them to have it. Agreed. I, I completely agree. Uh, I also kind of left this episode feeling like Admiral Vance probably isn't evil. Like, that's a big call to make with any Starfleet Admiral, but that's my feeling. He did. Like, he ca- like I said, he came off as, like, really having his finger on the pulse of reality in a way yeah. that Starfleet Admirals never, ever do. Even he, my he favorite. Really, <laughs> yeah. No, no, he really reminded me of Kat in terms of being a reasonable authority figure. But though he seems completely exhausted by his position and his responsibility, he doesn't seem like a guy who is at this moment desperate enough to blow up Kronos. And he didn't, like, he told Michael exactly what she had done wrong and accepted her apology for it, mm. but he didn't, like, he didn't reprimand her in front of the entire crew, he didn't, like, demote her, <laughs> he didn't, like, mm. do this whole thing. He left that to Saru, and Saru, too, like, had a private conversation with Michael, like, there was like respect, I guess, involved yes, in, yes. in those, no, that's which exactly is what sort of thinking. different from last week when they were telling her to, you know, keep it like keep it level. This might be going too far, but I think that's because last week was written by two men, and this week was written by a woman. Oop. Mm. I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong because it honestly, Vance came across as someone who cared about not just the way like the process but he also cared about the people within the process like he realized that they weren't just cogs and and you have to like you have to have regulations you have to have a plan you have to have guidelines you can't just like go off willy-nilly and do whatever Mm. you want but we're also like we're about exploration we're about peacekeeping and we're about like all these starfleet ideals that i'm always saying why why are they always bringing those up when they don't do them <laughs> like he actually seemed to believe in them <laughs> yeah and for her part michael seems to understand that he's he's not setting the cause of the burn aside just because he doesn't care it's that he is literally stretched so thin yeah. that he has no resources to commit it's a triage like you're like we were saying so yes and yeah and so i think you're right that it's going to end up being okay michael go do your thing about the burn mm. and mm. with and i don't know who i don't know the whole group of people that are going to go with her but some amount of people are going to go with michael and they're going to go figure out the burn my money is on definitely Giorgio and possibly Adira. Uh, that is a combination of people that I think could be very dangerous. <laughs> and of course, where Adira goes, Grey goes. Uh, Tilly, I think, is up in the air because yeah. she loves Michael, but she is also at a stage in her life where she does need and want to focus on her career. And I don't fault her for that. I think that a friendship where you can't have other priorities would be really toxic. They do need an engineer are you saying that adira is going to be their engineer i think so okay i can see it mm. like they also have michael who is an engineer and Giorgio, who is an engineer like maybe what they I need guess. is a doctor <laughs> maybe they should take hugh on their adventure <laughs> that'd be kind of I, li- I like the idea of hugh and adira mm. yeah i'm into that uh, and 
as much as I hate to separate Hugh and Paul, I like the idea of Hugh getting an adventure yeah. separate. I don't separate see, from Paul and because I don't have any, I I can't imagine a reality where they wouldn't come back together at the end. Like they, that's yeah, why I'm, yeah. I'm. It's different with, with the Michael and Book because I can't imagine a reality where Michael like gives up Book for the greater good, <laughs> or whatever. Yes, and and so. That's the difference. It's like I, I, I trust that Stamets and Culver will, will be a constant. Yes. And I'm not there with, with the other. And so that's why, like, they mm. can be separated and it will be okay. In fact, I think it would be good for them narratively because we know so little about Paul, uh, uh, about Hugh, separate from his relationship with Paul. Again, I think having a situation where they can't be apart would be more toxic than romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this is pure speculation. I know, we're making things and... up. <laughs> yeah. How about my Andorian? They can bring him along. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes. Like, no, the thing everybody. is, I, I am having so much fun speculating because I had so much fun watching this episode. So I don't need to pull it apart. I just want to know what happens next. Yeah, yes, that's exactly it. You're right. You're right. Mm. I'm not angry at any part of it. <laughs> so, no. It all like, out? I am so, so eager to know what's happening with Philippa. And I'm so mad that they're making us wait. How <laughs> dare they? I just want my, my instant gratification. <laughs> uh, I, and her, I mean, I know I like to say how amazing Michelle Yeoh is every episode. I'm like, it's I true. I still cannot believe that, that Michelle Yeoh is on Star Trek. But. The moment when she said, you know, I, I've already, a, you know, Michael Burnham's already said this to me and it didn't work out well. Mm. <laughs> so that was so honest. Like it was, yes, it wasn't, she wasn't like throwing that at Michael to hurt Michael. She was like, no, you don't, like, this is hard for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you yeah. can't just expect me to be a different person. <laughs> Yes, it would be great if she could trust Michael, but that is not who she is. However much she has changed and however much she may want to trust Michael, every instinct in her tells her not to. And yeah, I I love that and it's so hard and I'm so curious to see who San is and, you know, the body that she finds. Mm. And Michelle Yeoh sounds so surprised and heartbroken at their death that... I have to think that it is not someone she murdered herself. Probably. Unless she did it in and a fit. Like she wasn't aware of what she was doing. Maybe, but she didn't, like, she didn't sound like that mm. in her cry. I, and, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And also, I think that we have to believe that she had people that she just didn't want to murder. Like, yeah, even yeah. her Michael and her Lorca were people that she trusted. Yes. So, like, they couldn't have betrayed her so poorly, so well. And if she didn't care for right, them. Right, so... Even Lorca. Oh, yeah. Sh- oh, that's the, that, that's the other thing. You know, we're discussing Mira Michael for the first time since season one. And back in Forget Me Not, there's the scene where Hugh walks into Michael's quarters and she's uh, assembling her map of the burn or whatever we'll find it find out what it is and it really reminded me of the scene in season one where Lorca's in his quarters building his map of the way home yes yes and and, like I don't think this means that Michael is going to turn evil 
But I do think that she has a bit of tunnel vision when it comes to the cause of the burn, and I think this is going to lead her to make more mistakes. And because Kovic did mention that the mirror universe is too far away to access, like... Yes. They wouldn't have said that if it wasn't a, a clue <laughs> of something. I don't know what, but it, of something. I kind of hope it's not because I, I, I don't really care about what the Mirror Universe is doing in the 32nd century. Uh, I'm very I'm not much saying... into DS9 ruined the Mirror Universe and we don't want to go back there. I guess what, what I mean is I think it's relating, not the, not necessarily the Mirror Universe relates to the burn, but like the movement of universes. Mm. Yeah, that's I have noticed that episodes 10 and 11 of this season are titled Terra Firma, Terra as in Terran, Mm -hmm. and you know it just means firm ground. But I wonder if this is going to be the episode or the pair of episodes where we find out what happened in in Philippa's past and also what happened with the burn and and how it's all Archer's fault. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll get flashbacks to the mirror universe. Maybe we'll get surprise Jason Isaacs. Ah, what a what a what a good thought. Uh, <laughs> but it also made me wonder if maybe Section Thirty One caused the burn, possibly Ooh. by accident, or maybe they were like, "Yeah, the Federation has expanded really, really far, and we're actually having trouble managing it. What if we like slowed it down a bit? Oops, we've just destroyed it." Yeah, this is what I wanted to look up. That yeah. that the the real end of Enterprise, not the last episode, but the real end of Enterprise, mm-hmm. <laughs> the episode before the, is called Terror Prime. Uh-huh. So I just wanted to. That's why I brought up Archer again, <laughs> like, because as as much as I'm, you know, there are Romulans in our unification next next week. So yes, what yes. if? So there have to be Terrans and also Jonathan Archer in Terra Prime. Yes. <laughs> so so Terra Firma. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> no, no, totally. Also, this is not even on the subject of discovery, but I watched the Enterprise episode Carpenter Street during the week, mm-hmm. and it's one where they go back to 2004 because the Zindi have are uh, creating a virus that will destroy humanity. And I'm like, wow, this really is the fears of 20, 21st, second, 21st century Americans in Star Trek form. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Like, Enterprise is really interesting because it was written at an interesting time. And yes, looking back, it's sort of like, yeah, like you, you look at Enterprise and then you look at reality, like now, and it's like, oh, mm. okay. Like, I see how that happened. Like, it's not yes. as disconnected as you might think. Yes. So that, that's just a little bit of an off-topic thing. I meant to tweet about it and forgot, and now I'm talking to you, and I thought, what the hell? Anyway, uh, if, if more Terrans, more, more Archer, I, I, I'm, I'm really, I don't care about the burn, but at the same time, I'm curious to see where it goes and how it affects the people. I'm, I'm, I'm me. And so, you know, I definitely don't care about the burn. However, I'm also a very contrarian type person. And yes. since Michael is the only person he seems to care about the burn. And mm-hmm. so I'm get, I get angry about that on one hand, because it's like, 
why am I being forced to care about this if Michael's the only person who cares about this? Yes. But at the same time, I'm like, look, Michael cares about this, and so we all should. <laughs> like, those, yes. those are the two sides of me that are warring with each other. No, I am a very contrarian person as well, and that is basically, basically how it's going for me. I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the world. That's just how I roll. So if we're, if we're setting it up for Michael to be the only person who cares, mm. then I, and, and again, Michael is the main character and Michael's, this is definitely Michael's story. Like as much as other people have things that they're doing this season, like there's no, there's no Lorca, there's no Pike and mm -hmm. Spock. Like this is Michael's season. Like Michael is doing all the stuff. And, and I really feel like they're doing a good job of giving everyone else a story yeah. alongside Michael. So it's like, it's, it's, there's a, I guess a, a more equal, uh, what's the word where you cut things up into? Division of resources? That's good. <laughs> that's, that sounds, that sounds <laughs> right. A more equal division of resources. So, yeah. so that. I, and you know, I make fun of the them constantly showing the bridge crew reacting in weird ways. But I'll say mm -hmm. that the beginning, the very beginning of this episode, the upgrades section, yes, like it was fun because it was sort of like cool. Starfleet is able to like make their nine hundred year old ship <laughs> into not an antique anymore. Like that's okay that's fun yeah yeah and then they were so excited everybody was like oh look at all they like oh i can, like i can do this with my hands and i and everything doesn't really exist and and everything i ever needed is in my badge and i was like oh it's like a smartphone <laughs> like i was Aww. it was a very i was like i get that that i understand that feeling of i can do everything i ever needed with this one device mm. that is tiny and can fit in my hand it was very you know i remember that feeling it's very exciting but they are such nerds. They are such nerds. Like, and to me, this scene, I understood their excitement in a way that I didn't understand their excitement about the starships. Mm. And because, I do think that's because I've been there and I don't care about the new type of car or whatever, but I absolutely love to get a new device a new, and have a play with it. <laughs> a new gadget. Yeah. And... Like, okay, so they get all these upgrades, and Kayla is the only one in the entire ship who's like, I'm who's not sure not I like this. <laughs> and, yeah. and since they've apparently established her as a jock, that works for the other, the fact that everyone else is a super nerd. And I say this because I, I work in the sciences, okay? So, like, I work with a bunch of yes. nerds. But I work with academics, and the people who have my job... Like my my peers, the admins are mm -hmm. like, they hate every single time we get an upgrade. I'm super into it. I'm like, oh <laughs> cool, an app that does this instead of me having to do a spreadsheet for it. Yay! <laughs> you know, like it's great for me. But they hate it. They hate learning the new systems. They hate like they hate every single time we get an upgrade. Like I said, I got super excited when I got my smartphone. People who still have their have a cell phone that's just a cell phone. <laughs> Like those people, mm. um, they're not going to be excited about new apps or new systems or new anything. And so... No, they're like, why do I have to learn to use this? Right. <laughs> do you think this means that Linus is the guy who 
will not learn to use a Windows released after. <laughs> That's where I was five. going. I was like, and then Linus is that guy who just like doesn't read the 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 manual, yeah, yeah. but thinks because I don't, you know, I don't need to do that. I'll I can I can do anything. Like I know how to do stuff. I don't need to like read about it or learn it or go to training. Like he was that guy, and there are plenty yes. of that guys that I know. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. But it was really fun because that was all very relatable to me. And I think you're right that it was in a way that the the scenes last week were not because I really don't care about ships. Like, I could not tell you what the difference between any of those ships and the ships that, like, we've seen in every other Star Trek are. Nothing. <laughs> they were all They were all the same. They're the same. They're ships in space. Even when they <laughs> showed the nacelles, I was like, oh, that's what they meant about detached nacelles. <laughs> like, because yeah. when they when they described it last week, I didn't it didn't look different. <laughs> so I didn't like eh. but they like showed the detached nacelles and that there's like, you know, I don't know, antifreeze between them or something. <laughs> so it's all smoky. I Still don't understand what's exciting about them, but I'm sure I'll get it after we see them in motion. But it was just, you know, so, but I was really, like, I had fun with that scene, and I had fun even seeing the bridge crew having fun with that scene and getting the little, you know, I liked the look that Linus was that guy. I'm, I'm glad that, like, Linus, I think, is they're, they're actually doing well, where he's around a lot and he's getting a lot of personality, but he's never, like, in the way. He's never he's yeah. never taking up space that could be with someone else. <laughs> that's that's how I think I feel whereas with a lot of the others I I'm just kind of like why am I seeing your reaction and not Michael's or Tilly's or yeah. you know someone I know and care about. And honestly Linus is walking a fine line with me. But so far he hasn't been annoying in is in my so that's far. my that's me that could that, that doesn't have to be you like i'm just saying for <laughs> me he hasn't he hasn't annoyed me yet mm. even though like if they hadn't kissed if if linus had interrupted them and then like we went to the next scene i would have been very no, that angry been... with linus <laughs> like, i would have been like yo because that happened in star wars rebels like three times and yeah no it, it made me a little bit crazy so just saying no i completely agree do we want to talk about stamets and adira yes, and gray because that was like s such a heartwarming scene for many reasons yes you know the bit where paul is saying that death is not as linear as he had thought and, and so he absolutely believes Adira. I'm very proud of the fact that my first reaction was to go, oh, Grey is definitely going to get a body, and not, oh, Cat is definitely going to come back. <laughs> I just feel like I'm growing as a person. <laughs> You're moving forward. Yeah! That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I mean, what I got out of that scene was like, oh, they're gonna like start working together to make sure that Grey gets a body. <laughs> it was like, oh, like, what's going on right now is is now, like, because he literally lived that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, could you make a body with programmable matter? Is there a way of transferring Grey's consciousness Look, from Adira? Like, 
these if if Picard can I have an Android exactly body what I in twenty three ninety nine, then I was like, they can they can photocopy Gray imagine, out of Adira's head. Imagine the you know advances that must have happened between Picard and yeah, like yeah, give you know, or maybe maybe he wants to have a hologram body. He he can have he could, whatever, you know, whatever. He wants. It's cool. Like I just, I I love I loved that scene. I loved it because Stamets validated Adira. Like he didn't even just believe her. He said, "Yes, that's what's happening. <laughs> You're right." Yes. Like it was just it was so good. It you know um, remember me the TNG episode "Remember Me" where Doctor Crusher is like. Mm. in a bubble and people start disappearing and that episode is great but one of the best parts yes. is that everyone takes her completely seriously everyone's like okay people are disappearing not you're crazy <laughs> but and, and that's one of the iconic things about it that's why it's cited as a classic now even though it's kind of mediocre but right. that whole thing where she's instantly believed is so rare and so amazing and so like, I felt that same way where I was like he was just like, not only do I believe you, I can relate to you on a personal level and I am going to help you with this. <laughs> like, it was just, it was great for Stamets. It was great for mm. Adira. And Grey was so adorable when, when they started showing him. I was just, he was so cute. And I, he was so happy, like this giant smile on his face about how funny Stamets was and Stamets was totally like doing that he was playing to not just Adira but to Adira and her imaginary friend and it was just like this is so it was good great. It, was, it was just he even would like look over and even though it was a completely empty chair to him he was like validating that, that this is this is a reality and whatever is happening whether it's in your head in like a Harry Potter way or it's that you know he's he's not dead he's trapped and we need to get him his body like whatever is going on here we're going to figure it out we're going to make it better for both of you yeah and then he goes and tells paul and i'm kind of like is that a violation of adira's <laughs> trust but huh? i don't know to me as an adult if you if you tell someone you assume that they're going to tell their partner but yeah uh and and they're both so supportive of these these kids even the one who's dead that they've never met and i love them i do think that paul needs to figure out find out that a tween is not a 16 year old but whatever <laughs> uh, okay oh so this is like completely random but i went on a walk today with my family uh mm. in the woods it was apparently i got a text it was a 6.6 .6 mile walk which seems like a lot yeah, <laughs> and, um, I mean, and it was, it was rocky in parts and, and there were leaves everywhere and it was, but it was an amazing, it was a beautiful walk out, you know, just before it gets to be too cold to do that and, you know, separate from civilization. So we didn't have to worry about masks. Like we were, we had our mm. masks so that we came across other hikers. We were, we would definitely be protected, but we didn't have to like 
worry about coming within six feet of people and, and you know, what is it, what is going to happen? So anyway, yeah. it was really nice is what I'm saying. But on this walk, uh, they were looking for birds because mm-hmm. like they're birders and they want like they, you know, they collect bird sightings throughout the year, you know, and have a list and it's like, this is my year this is- and this is how many, like whatever. I, I am not a birder and I, I was going to say, this is exceptionally nerdy, and I say that as someone with a Star Trek podcast. I know. But then we got to the pond, and we saw a little family of ducks. Oh. And there were two, there were mallard ducks, and like, which is like the only duck that I can say, oh, that's a mallard duck. So I could tell that there were two adult males and one oh. young female. Like, not a baby, oh. not yellow but like a, a, you know, a tween duck, okay? And I was like, it's Culber and Stamets and Adira. (laughs) That was the, the, literally, that was the first thing I thought of, was it's it's two gay dad ducks and and they're, and they're, they're, you know, (laughs) non-binary trill child. I love it. So, I am super into that relationship, and I want it to be fostered. So I, so I hope that what comes out of Paul telling Culber is that they become her family, her duck family. Yes, her duck family. Everyone, everyone needs a duck family. <laughs> Do we have anything else? <laughs> I mean, what could possibly top? The Colmets duck family. Duck family. <laughs> I... Oh, you. One final note. Grudge is Cheer Flurkin. I just, I, I just want to, you know, say for the record, I maintain that Grudge is not a cat. <laughs> yes, that something is going on with that cat. And... Uh, I'm going to take the opposite position. <laughs> she is a cat. Okay. <laughs> One of us can be right. One of us can be right. That's right. So I don't think she's actually a Flurkin because Flurkins are in Marvel and Marvel is run by Disney, Disney and Paramount is not. <laughs> so it's not a Flurkin. However, sometimes I think about the fact that Star Trek is like the only property left that's not owned by yeah. Disney. Yeah, I know. And mm-hmm. like, I am that weird person who wouldn't be like, totally bummed if Disney bought Star Trek. <laughs> I always thought that the one upside to Disney buying Star Trek would be that they would invest money in like the tie-in fiction, but now we know that Disney doesn't even pay their authors royalties. So, you know, Paramount can keep it. I'm just, you know, media diversity is good. Media diversity is good, and I don't think, like... Star Trek wouldn't really fit into the Magic Kingdom the way that Star Wars does. No. And honestly, Marvel doesn't fit into the Magic Kingdom the way that Star Wars does. It was definitely a better idea for Disney to own Star Wars. That's my 10 cents. (laughs) As someone who really, really loves Star Wars, Disney, and Marvel, that's my 10 cents. And Star Trek. I love a lot You're you're a multi- you're, you're, you're multi-franchise. I'm very multi-franchise. I just really love franchises, though. Like, I do. It's a thing. 
Uh, anyway, you think that we, uh, I think that grudge, grudge is not has a cat. A I think there's a secret to grudge. Like maybe mm. she's a cat, but she's like a cat, you know, nine hundred years from now, and has something else in like happening. Sure, like Tendy's genetically engineered dog who could talk. Oh my goodness. Gr- Grudge can talk, she just chooses not to talk to people. Which, I mean, a cat would. That, I was just going to say, this makes perfect sense to me. Anyway, <laughs> otherwise, come back next week. It is finally Unification 3. We're going to get some shenanigans. I hope Michael finally gets to see Nimoy era Spock and learn how great her brother was. Oh my god. And... I'm going to cry. Yeah. I want that so badly. If it doesn't happen, you have to write me the fic, okay? Okay, okay. Okay, deal. Uh, Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at at antimatterpod and on Facebook by searching antimatterpod, and I will try to be better about remembering to update the Facebook page. Anyway... If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us next week when we'll be talking about the next episode of Star Trek Discovery, Unification 3. This time for realsies. (laughs) 